said to a gentleman, can you tell me what difference it made to you? And he said, oh, look, it was wonderful. I used to spend all day traveling to the hospital, having my treatment and coming home again. It was so stressful. I did that twice a week, every week. But the difference it made to me was nothing compared to the difference it made to my wife. It's literally like you give people back their lives and there's just nothing that matches that feeling. Hello everyone and welcome to Startup West. My name is Brody McCulloch. And I'm Steve Elias. It's terrific to be here with you for episode 80 of the Startup West podcast, which is all about startups, entrepreneurs and innovators who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. On this episode, we talk to Julie Adams, the co-founder of View Health, otherwise known as Chemo at Home. The business is a fully accredited health service which provides and delivers chemotherapy and other infusions for cancer and chronic illness wherever and whenever it suits patients. Hi Julie and welcome to Startup West. Fantastic to have you here. Thank you very much. Can you tell us about your business, Chemo at Home, and the story of what led you to starting the business? I guess the the genesis of it was sometime back in the 90s. I worked in a hospital as a cancer pharmacist, uh, but my dad was unwell and he had to spend some time in hospital and needed to go home uh, just before Christmas with antibiotics. And back in those days, there was no such thing as home health care. And so I was just very lucky that the nurses I worked with taught me what to do. Um, and when he went home, I give, gave him his antibiotics at home. And that just got me thinking about how we could maybe do cancer care a little differently and a little bit more compassionately and, and get people out of hospital a bit quicker and keep them at home a bit longer. Uh, and from that point onwards, I just it, the idea grew. Uh, I gained some experience in it in the government sector when I worked at Royal Perth. And then some 10 years ago, made the change to starting a business of our own. And what was sort of the driver in the first place? So can you tell us a bit about that startup story um, and, yeah, some of the issues you faced and how you overcame them? So I guess the driver to begin with was my desire to provide more compassionate care to patients and to see them live the best life they possibly could whilst they were undergoing quite complex and difficult treatments. Uh, The second part was around how that could actually be done. And so back in 2011, there were some changes made to the Private Health Insurance Act and the way that a service that was delivered at home could be uh, funded. And without that having happened, there would be no ability to be able to have treatment at home and to claim it on private health insurance. And there was no mechanism for that to happen. I knew those changes had been made in the private health insurance legislation And it's just been sitting in the back of my mind as to what might that look like in the private market. As it happened, uh, there were some changes happening at work as well. Uh, You may remember that there was two hospitals that were amalgamating and moving down to Fiona Stanley. Mm -hmm. With that came a whole range of different issues revolving around staff changes and moving services and things. And I decided at that time it was my opportunity to take a, a leap of faith and go, I could do this and, and leave the public sector and, and start a business. Julie, financially for the business as a startup, um, did you need any injection of capital? Was it yourself, uh, your business partner, any investors or family, fools, friends, or was it simply a bit of bootstrapping initially? So I was very lucky. I've got a fantastic business partner who I approached before we obviously started the business. Uh, I was on a trip to Melbourne. I got off the plane and this 
this idea had been percolating in my mind. I sent her a message and said, do you want to start a business with me? And she said, sure, no problem. <laughs> and she rang me about 10 minutes later and she said, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were we bootstrapped it ourselves. So essentially we remortgaged our houses, signed wow. on the dotted line, then resigned from our government jobs. Don't tell the banks. No. <laughs> um, you know, there's no changes to my income that are about to come up. Uh, and uh, we, we essentially bootstrapped it ourselves and we've done that to date. So mm. – we invested all our own money into it. And then at various points in time when times were tough, various family members lent us money. Uh, and then more recently, we, as we've grown the business, we've been able to do that ourselves and through some related entities as well to fund our own right. Um, growth. Right. Yeah. And can you tell us a bit about like the products and services and how it's grown? Oh, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> so to begin with, I guess it was quite difficult to start with. We had to really change the model of care. Doctors were very used to patients going into hospital to see them and then going to a day unit right down the corridor from their their rooms and having their treatment. And so we really had to convince them that this was a better way for patients to have their treatment. Patients always knew it was a better way for them to have treatment. Them and their families were on board immediately. But we had to convince the doctors, who were really our our first customers, if you like, that that was going to be um, something that they could feel confident and safe about us doing at home. And so that was the first difficulty. So the the growth originally was quite, I guess, steady but slow. Uh, Then COVID hit and many of the... uh, excuses or reasons that people gave for not wanting people to be treated at home vanished overnight because suddenly hospitals were at risk of spreading infection of COVID and home was a safer place to be. And that opened up a lot of doors for us. It opened up a lot of doors for us with private health insurers wanting to keep people out of hospital, with doctors being more keen to keep patients out of hospital and patients and families really wanting to stay out of hospital. So over the last two years, we've quadrupled in size. Yeah, well, amazing. Uh, and that's provided a wonderful opportunity for us, but obviously some significant challenges as well. So Julie, at those early stages, yourself and Lorna, at what point did you know it was actually going to work? What was that moment of clarity or that inflection point that you realise that this is something that's going to take off for us? Oh, I wish there was one. <laughs> Honestly, you know, there were times, particularly in maybe the first six years, and, and people think it's you know, such a quick ride to an overnight success. But in those first six years, there were many times we sat there, one or both of us, um, almost distraught over how we were going to keep this going and make it work. We believed in the concept, but believing in the concept isn't quite enough. I don't think that really happened until the pandemic hit and we thought that we really could make an impact in changing people's mindsets Mm. in in health economics and and the higher executive level of health to to see get them to see that bricks and mortar weren't the answer going forward and i think it really took until then that we thought that we had more than just us believing in the concept right. and you mentioned some of the difficulties of especially over the last few years with scaling up uh, can you run through some of those and how you've overcome oh absolutely in the early times it was about uh, getting people to know that our service existed and getting doctors on board. And so we we embarked upon a education program for our physicians to so they knew that the service was available. And we employed sales reps to go out and detail them so that they knew what to do and how to refer to us. That was the first step. 
Then when COVID hit, as I mentioned before, you know, we saw a marked increase in our uh, referrals to our service. And it would be that hospitals would ring us and say, we need all our patients out of the day unit. Um, the COVID ward is next door. We can't have any of these patients here. The, the executive told us that they all need to be done at home. And we'd be like, okay, <laughs> sure, we can help. Uh, and then the, the issues that came about were really about practical issues. So the first one was that we needed an increased fleet uh, and we couldn't afford to buy, you know, 20 or 30 new cars. Uh, but fortunately, because of the pandemic, no one was travelling. And the hire vehicles were sitting there idle. So we did a deal with Hertz and uh, we got cheap hire vehicles for a substantial period of time mm. to get us over that bump of needing an increased fleet uh, at that time and not being able to afford the, the cash injection to get it. Uh, and so there was a, a few things like that. There was technology that we had to overcome mm. too. So uh, we were very lucky that we had invested quite heavily in tech upfront in our business, probably more so more than what we would have needed for the size of the business at the time. But it meant that when we went to scale during COVID, we already had uh, a whole range of tech solutions in there to make us efficient and able to work in geographically dispersed areas with uh, remote work staff uh, quite easily. Mm. Julie, with your history and experience, obviously you know your market extremely well. Uh, are there any competitors on the scene, whether it's local, national, even international that you've seen out there? And I guess how do you deal with that? Mm, it's a really great question. And uh, there's still not a lot of competition. There's a little bit. So there's a few companies over in the eastern seaboard who have, I'll, I'll say that they're not necessarily small companies, but they've started small operations. We have a very good foot in the market and we have uh, capitalised on our first market um, position. We were the first to have health fund contracts across the board with all the major private health insurers. And we know we are still easily the largest provider of services across Australia, which it's kind of nice when you started in WA and you've expanded eastward uh, and no one from the east has managed to either capture the east coast market or expand west. So mm. we're very lucky that we've maintained our pole position, if Terrific. you like, at this point. Mm. And what were some of the highlights and successes? What's kept you going? What kept us going really was the belief in what we were doing and the patience. The feedback from patients was always amazing and it it was, it's hard to describe, but when you speak to someone and they say that, you know, you've changed their life, uh, treatment used to be so stressful and now they feel so much more comfortable having it. I was at a patient's home in um, Adelaide and uh, I said to a gentleman, can you tell me what difference it made to you? And he said, oh, look, it was wonderful. I used to spend all day traveling to the hospital, having my treatment and coming home again. It was so stressful. I did that twice a week, every week. But the difference it made to me was nothing compared to the difference it made to my wife. Mm. And at the time he said, it, I looked over and she was just walking around the house with a mobile in her hand. She'd been to coffee with the lady across the road. She was picking up the grandchildren from school later in the day. And it's, it's literally like you give people back their lives and there's just nothing that matches that feeling of knowing that. And we also had some very good specialists who loved working with us as well and could see the difference it made to their patients. So they became, I guess, our advocates on the patient's behalf as well. And so between them, that was how we saw that, the, you know, it was going to succeed and it's what gave us the drive to keep going when times were tough. 
Julie, perhaps one more question before we move into some questions about, about you personally. Um, what are the plans for the next few years for the business? Oh, that's an <laughs> awesome question. How difficult that is to answer. Well, I mean, I guess the biggest issue is we want to consolidate the business now, plus we want to look at the steady growth going forward. COVID has really given us a leg up and broken down a lot of barriers, as I said, um, and with that has beca- has come lots of opportunity for us to grow further. Uh, so we would really like to consolidate the East Coast operations substantially over the next couple of years. And through that, we would probably be looking at how we might partner with uh, an investor or a a bigger organisation to really help give us the, uh, I guess, the back end to be able to do that in a substantial way. Lovely. Julie, if we can ask, the the regulatory environment for you and the business, um, what is the upkeep of uh, the the accreditation that you're required to do? Mm, That's another great question. So we have to have four yearly accreditation. We've actually just done our accreditation about two months ago um, and we did fantastically. We got given an outstanding recommendation for the way we manage medications, which is quite an achievement. Uh, But there's also two... Um, a whole range of guidelines that you need to comply with from uh, the different uh, groups that are involved in cancer therapies, for instance, and they have to be maintained as well. So, you know, there's a big skill set that you need to be able to do that uh, and it's not one that's maintained by many groups around the country. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. Julie, can you take us back through your career, uh, your schooling? Uh, Are you WA born and bred and raised? I certainly am very much uh, WA born and bred. I went to school at Bentley High School to start with and then I moved to Como High School when the government of the day chose to close Bentley down and turn into an um, a, a adult learning centre. Uh, I didn't like that much and I was a bit of a rebel at the time. We uh, protested at, at Parliament House. We walked there from our high school and for the next two years that I went to high school at Como, I wore the Bentley High School uniform because <laughs> as my protest to going to another high school. So I was always a little bit rebellious Uh, even though I was a a good student and I always like to look at at things in a slightly different way and and challenge the status quo. Very good. And uh, what were your favourite subjects, if anything, and uh, did you show any (laughs) sort of leadership and entrepreneurship potential back then? I I think my my favourite subjects when I was at school were chemistry and maths. Uh, And I guess my entrepreneurial spirit was my rebellious nature Mm. and it was the thing which uh, I guess – when you're younger, people find very annoying the, the fact that you're always asking questions. You're always going, well, how come we have to do it this way? Why can't we do it that way? Why are the boys allowed to wear jeans to school? And no, I'm not allowed to wear jeans to school. That's not fair. Uh, and those sorts of things people don't like when you're a kid. But you learn as you grow older that that curious nature and that ability to challenge uh, authority or challenge the way things done is actually what makes a good entrepreneur. Um, it's sometimes what's beaten out of you through the schooling system. But if you can hold on to it, it's, it's what actually gets you through it. And what did you do after school? So university or travel? Yeah. 
I went to university, so I went to Curtin University and did a Bachelor of Pharmacy degree. Following that, I started working at Royal Perth Hospital and did postgraduate qualifications again at Curtin University. Um, And then after that, I had a number of different jobs within the government sector, both federal and state, um, and then into the private sector as well, working as a pharmacist in the cancer area. Great. And... uh Based on your experience to date, what advice would you give to the local Perth startup scene? I think no matter what startup scene, whether it be local or otherwise, I think one of the most important things is to really think about what you want to challenge and why you want to do it and what the timing of your bringing to market your idea is. There's lots of great ideas that, you know, you have to have the right timing to bring them in for them to work. I think the second thing is about who you choose to do that with. I think having a great idea is one thing. Choosing to bring it to market by yourself is really tough. Uh, One of the things that I've always been grateful for was that I chose very early a business partner and we've been in this together the whole time. And without Lorna and by my side and me by her side, uh, I think it would have been almost an impossible journey uh, to maintain that level of enthusiasm and motivation and uh, drive going forward without a business partner that was aligned to what you were doing. Yeah, the stats on yeah having business partners is uh, yeah pretty pretty solid proof that having a business partner, solo founders, it's very difficult oh, journey. I can't um, even honestly, I can't even imagine hmm. doing it that way. Yeah, and from you mentioned fundraising before, so you're looking at yeah how you guys grow next. Mm. Um, how have you found like raising investment or looking at that in WA, or have you been looking nationally or globally? It's really interesting. We we the first time someone came to us and wanted to invest in us, we'd been open two weeks. We'd we'd treated one patient, and we're like, "What? What's going <laughs> on?" And you know, we we'd both come from um, government jobs, so mm. you know, running a business was new. Talking about investment was completely out of our league, and you know, I think to date we've probably had around about thirty different lots of people come to us wanting to invest or buy us out or. or whatever the case may be, whatever commercial arrangement they were looking at at the time uh, since we started. And it's been a, a long and slow learning process for us to work out the differences in what people are offering and what then going back to what we actually need rather than what they're offering and what would suit us best. It's been a, it's, it's one of the things that I think that potentially could be done slightly better for startup businesses is to teach about this space and and what it looks like because it's been quite challenging for us. And there's two of us and we chat through each option, um, but it's still been a really difficult, a difficult sort of area to navigate because there's so many different permeations of what can happen and whether or not it's actually even a benefit to your company mm. up front or not to have an investor come in. Sometimes it can be detrimental and sometimes it can be a positive um, and so, you know, as as your own baby, you want whoever comes in to positively impact it, not to negatively impact it. And so, you know, that's been a, a really challenging part for us to be able to decide that and to let go the thought of let go in control mm. to someone else potentially um, for whatever their investment might be. So we're still sitting in that space and mm. I can't say we've actually got through to the other side of it yet, but we've got more intelligent and more savvy as time's gone by. Mm. Yeah, no, revenue is a pretty good way to grow. So, yes, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> Over investment. But um, yeah, I think it's that scaling piece next. So mm. yeah, no, really interesting. 
Uh, Julie, who do you admire as a startup company or, or a leader of a startup company, whether that's in WA or, or anywhere really that you've traveled and traversed? Oh, look, there's so many people that we've dealt with. And one of the things I'll say is that um, when it comes to people helping, other startups are really happy to start help other startups. And that's what we've found our whole way through. Um, so the ones that we've had some uh, really great interactions with is um, Illuminate Solutions and Nilesh Makwana. Uh, he's been very helpful with us and we've worked with him over a number of different projects. Uh, Josephine Muir is also, I, I have a great deal of admiration for. I've met her through different awards. Um, I love their their work with Noisy Guts. It's mm-hmm. one of my passions too about gut health and gut microbiome. So I love the the concept, but she's also just a great networker and a huge supporter of women founders as well. Every chance she gets, she gives a shout out to someone. And I just, I love her spirit in doing that. It's so generous. Um, more recently, I've met Lucy Cook uh, from Space Draft and uh, I loved her storytelling. She's just she just is just such an entertainer when she's telling her story. So I, I tend to be drawn to people who have skill sets that aren't necessarily my own skill set. Mm. It, it helps me to broaden my horizons. Uh, and more recently, another one that we've met is um, a, vein, a vein tech company, which again is an area which is sort of pertinent to our business in helping our nurses provide services and being able to put um, cannulas in people's arms and the technology to make that a more pleasant experience for our patients. Um, but again, they're all startups and we've we've worked really well talking together. How can we help each other? Where can we find synergies? Can I help you by giving you a letter of support when you're providing, getting funding? Uh, can we trial your technology? Can, you know, so we've, we've all worked together really well. And I think it's a really collaborative space. Mm. Great. And yeah, I think to close things out, we'll do some rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so short answers is the, is the goal. Um, so what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? A great business partner. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, Julie, what would you wish into being or even wish away? A more streamlined approach to funding, which wasn't so constrained uh, by uh, what I'll say like bank type of ideals, you know, being able to show a profit before you can get funding. Mm. I think that's a common answer, isn't it, Brody? Mm. that we get? Yeah, mm. no, it is. Um, who do you most admire in the local tech scene? Like it could be a company or a startup? Oh, I think that the people I've mentioned mm. before, I think that they're the people I admire the most. Um, there are other startups there are other, and they collaborate so beautifully with us. How can anyone listening today to this podcast help you and Lorna and your business? I guess there's two ways. One of them is to, if you know anyone who needs treatment at home or you're in a space where you work with other health providers or hospitals, talk to them about why aren't they offering these types of treatments at home? Why aren't they collaborating with startups like us to be able to offer those services at home? And the second is, is if you're someone who might want to invest in us, give us a call. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And finally, uh, what do you do to get away from it all and relax and recharge? Oh, I'm an off-grid girl. So I have a ute and Mm. a swag and I go out camping. I love the stars. I love the beach and I like to be by myself. Me and a good book, uh, a cup of tea. That's all I need. War and peace. Ah, war and peace. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thanks, Julie. Um, absolute pleasure having you here. Uh, we do sincerely wish uh, you and Lorna uh, the very best and every success with your chemo at home business and offering. Um, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. A big thank you to our sponsors. Startup West Podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support of Curtin University, Space Cubed, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. We recorded this podcast at Rift Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. you.